Father, we thank you for your word, and as we delve into it this evening, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open it up to us, to inspire us, and to bless us in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tonight, we're continuing our series through the book of Revelation, and the amazing vision or visions that John received whilst he was in exile on the island of Patmos. We've looked at five, which were about the heavenly throne, the scroll with seven seals, and the lamb who was slain. Then in chapter six, which Matt spoke about last week, we heard about the first six of those seven seals. There were the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the martyrs, and the terrifying judgment when the sun turned black the moon turned red, and stars fell from the sky. Tonight we're looking at chapter 7, which is a sort of interlude between the sixth and the seventh seals. And I want to look at it in three sections, beginning at verse 1, then verse 9, then verse 13. Verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land, or the sea, or the trees, until we put a... Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Massene, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000, and from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. When Anne was reading that earlier this evening, she said, do I have to read all those names? And I said, yes, please, because I want to refer to two of them. Now, this chapter begins with the words, after this. And we need to remember that these are visions given to John, maybe one chronological. So this in interlude, chapter 7, may not, in fact, have happened in his vision between 6 and 7, but that's how we've got it, so that's how we're looking at it. John writes, After this I saw four angels at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds. And this looks back, perhaps, to the opening of the sixth seal, when the great destruction fell upon the earth. 
The sun turned black, the moon turned red, the stars fell from the sky. We all know how destructive wind can be. Whatever our experience of wind might be, I would suggest there is nothing compared with the winds of judgment. In 82, was it? 87? Whenever it was. We were in Bognor, and we had a, an extension to the unit not far off the size of this, and it just took the roof off. Wind, but nothing, I believe, compared to the wind of judgment. John then sees another seal, another angel, bearing the seal of the living God. And that has to be put on the forehead of the servants of God for their... And as I read this, it reminded me of the night of Passover, when the blood of the lamb was daubed on the lintels and the doorpost to protect all those within. Now, in this passage, John tells us that he heard, not saw, heard, the number who'd been protected, 144,000. Over the years, there's been much speculation about who that 144,000 are. The, the early Jehovah's Witnesses believed that it was them. Trouble is, it went past 144,000, so they sort of wiped that out of their teaching. There are those who believe that this is symbolic of just a symbol of all Christian believers. And others, and I'm one of them, see them as the faithful Jewish remnant. Maybe symbolic, maybe the number is symbolic, because 12,000, 12,000, all those times that Anne read. But I believe it is those who have remained faithful through the great tribulation, which is referred to later in this vision of John. We have here a list of the 12 tribes, each having 12,000 sealed. And interestingly, the 12 and this one is different to the other 17. This list includes, uh, halfway through, a bit more, a bit more, oh no, there, yes, verse 7. It includes the tribe of Levi. Levi was the priestly tribe. They were never counted in the census. And yet here, in this vision of end times, they're there. It also, interestingly, begins with Judah. And Judah was not the eldest of them. But our Jesus Savior came from the tribe of Judah. When I was uh, first started as a reader, all those donkeys years ago, the, the vicar we had, well, he was called a chaplain, but he was our vicar, always had three points. And I've looked at these three sections that I'm going to speak on. And to me, this first one, I think, is amazing, that John has this vision of the 12 tribes, all sealed protect them. ...that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. 
standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Anne. If that first section was amazing, I think this is exciting. I love worship. And here we have a tremendous multitude in white robes worshipping. John is looking at the throne and seeing this multitude worshipping the Lord. Many years ago, we used to go to Post Green. Uh, it was like you know, one year we went, my boss came with us, and he was, a, he was a Quaker, or he was a sort of Quaker. And we had a tremendous evening in the marquee. And he and I were walking back, and we'd, we'd had uh, tremendous teaching, and then we went into an amazing time of worship, singing. And we walked back, and as I, we were walking back, I said, wasn't that wonderful? And he said, I hope it's not as loud as that in heaven. <laughs> it was in my sleeping bag that I thought what I should have said, Stan, there's going to be a lot more of us. <laughs> anyway, just reading these words sends a shiver down my spine. A great multitude that no one could count. And as we sang, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. We know that our Lord Jesus came into the world to save the world and that anyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life with him. Those are his words. And here, John is seeing something of the wonder of that. The first thing John mentions is that they are clothed in white robes about a few weeks ago. In that letter, we saw that those who've kept their faith and have overcome or have conquered will be walking with their Lord, dressed in white robes. In the vision here, John sees that they have palm branches in their hands. And perhaps that's a reminder of the entry into Jerusalem on the day we call Palm Sunday. Only in John's Gospel does it say palm branches, incidentally. When we were in Australia for Easter, the little Anglican church we went to there, we went down to the bottom of the road, and somebody there had a palm tree on the front of the garden, and they had cut palm branches out for us to walk around the village. I was so glad when we finished. They are heavy. Enormous, very heavy, but very, very exciting. This section is all about worshipping the Lamb, worshipping the Father, the God on the throne. 
and before the throne. There's this great multitude clothed in white. There are the angels, the elders on their 24 thrones. There's the four living creatures that we saw in chapter 4. One like a lion, one like an ox, one with a face like a man, and one there's only one thing to do, and that is worship. This section is exciting. Hopefully, we'll find the third section challenging. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who've come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he sits on the throne, and he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's also exciting as well. In this section, we see John being asked this rhetorical question. Who are these in white robes? Who are they? Where did they come from? And questions like that are sometimes found in the prophetic texts, where the prophet asks the question, and then he goes, or she, goes on to answer it. And in the answer here, given by one of the elders, we can perhaps see a message and a challenge for us today. Firstly, these are the ones who've come through the great tribulation. And the key word there is through. The great tribulation, I don't know. I'm not going to go into details of what I imagine that to be. It may not happen in our lifetime, but it might. Christians are not exempt from suffering. Christians are not exempt from the troubles of this world. In fact, we're told several times to expect it. Our Lord suffered, and we're called to share in his sufferings, knowing that he is with us and that he will bring us through. That's a wonderful word, through. Secondly, they're the ones who've washed their, love, washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And this has made them white, I put in not just personal called to live lives worthy of our Lord who gave himself for us. He shed his blood to wash us clean. One of the amazing sort of paradoxes of the gospel that the blood washes whiter than white. Thirdly, they serve the Lord in his temple as we're called to serve him wherever we are. And interestingly, the word translated here as temple in the Greek is naos, or naos. It refers to the inner shrine of the temple, not just the outer court where everybody can go, but right into the heart. That's where they are, 
serving the Lord, worshiping. And we, he wants us to be that close to him. Not out on the fringes, but right in the center of his will, close to him every moment of every day. Fourthly, we see that the one who sits on his throne spreads his tent over them, a sign of protection. And we too can seek the Lord's protection as we follow our wonderful Lord Jesus. And then lastly, fifthly, we see that the Lamb, who is of course our Lord Jesus, comes of living water. And the Bible's got many, many references to living water, often synonymous, of course, with the Holy Spirit. I remember many years ago, the, um, as the deer pants, that new chorus then, gosh, that was such a long time ago. It's still one that really blesses me as the deer pants of the water, the refreshing water, the living water. There's two references to living water in John's Gospel. One is found in chapter 4 when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well and tells her that the water he gives will be a well, will be a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then in chapter 7, we read that Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Festival of Tabernacles. And John records that at one point Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from them. By this he meant the Spirit. This is the promise for all believers, that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit and that living water, the water of life, will be in them and flow through them to be a double blessing for others as well as for ourselves. In this chapter, you might like to read it yourself when you get home, and you may find other things to bless you. I've no doubt you will be blessed by your reading of it. But I'd like to close by reminding us of what I said at the start of this third section. This section, folks, is a challenge for us. <coughs> Excuse me. We will face difficulties, but if we walk closely with the Lord, he will see us through. We can be confident that he'll be with us as we go through them. We are called to follow the example of our Lord Jesus and live lives pleasing to God. We're called to serve him, not just on Sundays or what was it we did yesterday, but every day of the week, 24-7, serving the living God. And we're to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit so that springs of living water will both bless us and draw others to a saving knowledge of our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.